0: Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy web show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a portrait artist with a heart of gold. I'll tell you all about her as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus,
1: that's not your food.
0: purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez And today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a New Jerseyan. Partner to Taylor. Dogma to Captain Quint. A dog walker, pet sitter, entrepreneur, dog person, coffee lover, adventure seeker with a goal of buying a camper. An oddball, an introvert, a music lover, especially when it's a weird music. <laughs> an artist. Self-described magnet for underdogs. She's a DIYer a garbage picker, somebody with amazing style. She's the founder of Viva La Pet, and her name is Ashley Cook. Welcome, Ashley. Hello, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to meet you in person. Ashley and I are buddies on social media. We're always talking like we've known each other for years, but we don't. We've just met right before recording this show.
1: Yeah, but I feel like we're pals.
0: I know. We really are. We really, truly are. Before we go any further, I want to introduce our drinking game. Anybody playing our drinking game tonight every time you hear this word?
1: The secret word is Captain.
0: Make sure you take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but be 21 or whatever minimum age there is in the country that you're joining us from. Never drink and drive and always drink responsibly. What are you drinking tonight, Ashley? So I'm drinking white
1: wine. In a, not in a glass. I'm not a wine person. I know nothing about it, but I know what I like the taste of. And this is actually from a, there's a pizza, a vegan pizza place down the street from us. And we're regulars there. So last time I was there, the guy gave me a bottle of wine. So I'm drinking the bottle of wine that he gave me.
0: I love the glass. The glass is perfect. It's like a thermos. It's a glass. It's travel. It's practical. I love it. Thank you. Coffee because I have lipstick on. Of course. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm having a vodka soda, keeping it very simple today, because I may or may not have had margaritas before the show started. So (laughs) cheers, thank you for being on the show. I'm so excited to meet you. So my husband is from Pennsylvania, from Philadelphia, and from New York. So when I told him I was interviewing a New Jerseyan, he had all these questions for me. He wanted to know what part of New Jersey you were from, so basically which New Jersey you are. So we're playing a game based on New Jersey. And Uh the game is called, Which New Jersey Are You? Because apparently there are multiple New Jerseys, according to my husband. There are. I think
1: there are three. There could be four.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so funny. He said there's like three. So I'm impressed already with my husband and your answers. So I'm just going (laughs) to ask you questions. There are literally no right answers because this is a totally made up game. But you're just going to give me your opinion. And then apparently my husband will watch the show and determine in his mind which New Jersey you are. And then our viewers and our listeners can also determine if they're like big on New Jersey, which New Jersey and you are. We'll see if they get it right. I know, exactly. So you have to tell me which is the best airport in your area? Big airport or little airport? Doesn't matter. Which airport
1: is it? I will say Newark because I've never been to the little ones. They're a little, you know, you can fly private yeah, yeah, yeah. A Small jet. Into-
0: I mean, I think that if you're flying private, the airport doesn't really matter. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So I'll say Newark. Okay. Perfect. Next question. Is it a hoagie subway or sandwich? It's a sandwich oh. or I think you meant to say a hoagie,
1: a sub or a sandwich, right? Oh, I don't Subway's know.
0: A store. Oh, a that's sub- right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is know. it a hoagie, a sub or a sandwich? It's a sub. It's a sub. Okay. Here we go. Eagles, Giants, or Jets? I'm
1: not a football person, but growing up, my family loved the Giants, so I'll say Giants.
0: Okay, which is the best museum near you? The Met, the Met. The Met's pretty popular, yeah. Is it the shore or is it the beach? Absolutely, it's the shore. Okay, do you like your pizza sauce on the top or on the bottom of the cheese? Oh, the bottom. I didn't know there was an option. It's the apparently, bottom. apparently, according to my husband, there is. And 7-11. then last question, which I I'm, I'm not from New Jersey, but I know the answer to this: Wawa or Seven Eleven? Seven Eleven. How dare you? <laughs> I
1: like wa- I like Wawa better, but the area that I'm from, there were more Seven. We're starting to get Wawas, but there were Seven. There were no Wawas where I'm from.
0: I grew up in Miami. We don't have Wawa's there that I know of. But I went to school at Maryland, University of Maryland College Park, and that was the first Wawa that I ever experienced. And those sandwiches after the bars at like 3 in the morning were, I mean, oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah.
1: See, we would do the 7-Eleven for that. We would do the nachos with that gross cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yep. the canned <laughs> cheese. We yeah. Our- like have diners in New Jersey, though. So... You would choose a diner over 7-Eleven because you could, you know, New Jersey's the diner capital of the world. So we would prefer a diner over, over a
0: quick stop. Oh, somewhere. nice. I love a diner. Like breakfast in the middle of the night, basically? Yeah, like Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Greasy, drunk food. So as a vegan, do you get to, like, enjoy these kinds of typical New Jersey foods? So, yeah, you just have to know the spot to go to. Okay. So
1: there's there's a place in Union, New Jersey that does cheese fries with a vegan gravy and a vegan cheese. There's a place in Asbury Park that does a Taylor ham. And depending on where you're from, it's either pork roll or Taylor ham, I call it Taylor ham. It's a vegan Taylor ham and cheese sandwich, which is really good. So you just have to know the
0: spots. So you have a pet care business, pet sitting, dog walking and pet education we'll we'll get to in a minute, but how would you describe your service area in New Jersey? Like, are are you kind of a suburb of New York? So we're a suburb of New
1: York. When I first started walking dogs and I was solo, I was servicing Morristown because I lived in Morristown. And Morristown is sort of like a Hoboken minus a couple of degrees. So it's suburban, but a lot of people who work in the city live out here. So that's a lot of our clientele. My business is 98% midday dog walking. We don't do a lot of pet sitting and it's because our clients work in the city and they need the midday
0: dog walk. So do you have any Real Housewives of New Jersey as clients? I don't. I don't. I
1: think they're a little more east.
0: Okay. Just wondering.
1: And south. Yeah. And I've never seen them, but I have seen with the Jonas brother. One of the Jonas brothers lived in Denville,
0: which is a town
1: that we service. A lot of football players live in this area. A lot of Jets and Giants guys.
0: I believe it. I definitely believe it. I feel like I know a lot of pet sitters in areas like yours where they're basically like lucky to have all these athletes and these famous people who are like, you know, they just throw money at their dog walker because they need somebody to. And a lot of them have a lot of pets. Yeah. So we haven't done
1: any celebrities, but we've done a lot of bankers. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of bankers and they're just. I mean, their houses are, when they're like, do you want to do an overnight? You're like, yes. It's like, oh my gosh.
0: Yes, please. I'll pay you to do an overnight. You (laughs)
1: you need me to do this. So we get a lot of that and you're in the house, just in awe because it's basically a museum and then they have multiple animals.
0: Yeah. Do you ever do pack walking? Like we see in the movies. I don't do pack walking. I will do three
1: dogs or if there are four dogs that live in a household together, but I I won't do like the pack walks where you don't really pay attention to the dogs and you're kind of dragging them along and they don't have their space. So I'm big into, I'm a proponent for body language of dogs and dog, giving dogs their space and letting dogs tell us what they're comfortable with
0: and not forcing them into situations. So no. So you've been in business since 2004. I started my business in 2008. And I feel like you and I agree that like that, when I see a pack walk, a one human being with like 10 plus dogs, That don't live together, that are from different homes. I have a panic attack because I think that that's so dangerous, so risky. Is that how you feel when you see that? God, times 10 risk the risk. I'm nervous to begin with because I've been doing this long enough. Besides
1: the anxiety of how dangerous it is, I feel for the dogs and I'm just watching their body language and knowing a little bit about dog behavior and kind of the more current science of dog behavior. It upsets me to see them just. Their ears are back. They're panting when it's not hot out. The craziest thing is they'll throw them into one vehicle, not CBO, not crated. And I'm just like, this is, they're forced. My thing is like, these parents are probably super happy that the dogs are gone home exhausted, but their exhaustion is a result of stress. It's not a result of being exercised. But yeah, so I agree with you on the pack walks. It's an anxiety attack. Dog parks, an anxiety attack, all of that. Off-leash dogs, anxiety attack.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, I just had a walk with my neighbor before the margaritas. And uh, she was like, I took Goldie, you know, their one year old golden retriever, who's already under socialized and a little bit skittish towards strangers and other dogs. She's like, we took him to the dog park, but we didn't go in. And I'm like, thank God, like, do not take this dog who's already a little bit hesitant to a dog park in an area where people are not super educated on pet care. I will say that like here, people are a little bit more relaxed about pet care and they don't have that education. We don't have amazing dog trainers here. Like as far as I know, we have zero positive based fear-free trainers here. So like I, yeah, we don't have those resources. So I'm like, do not take your dog to a dog park here. I'm not a proponent for dog parks anywhere, but especially not in a place where people just don't have the education to recognize their dog's behavior and take them before something happens. That's scary. We, um,
1: so we've taken captain to a dog park just to see how he would do in the beginning. And my husband actually got, he got left for lack of a better term. He got to take bitten multiple times <gasps> by a dog at a, so they were frenzied. One dog yelped and the dogs got frenzied and they were circling. So my husband went in there to pull captain out of it and he pulled captain away and the dog must have just i don't even know why i didn't see anything but a dog must have zeroed in on him and went in for my husband not for my dog Mm. and was biting at my husband so he was like as soon as he dropped captain i knew that he got bit significantly so then of course it was i was yelling at the owner like get your dog off of him so she got the dog there happened to be a doctor there so he got bit in the armpit so a doctor was looking at the wound. It was just kind of a puncture and a little bit of a tear. (gasps) And while the doctor was looking at it, the woman let go of her dog and the dog went after him again. So we
0: just left, went to urgent care. I think he needed like four stitches or something. No, that's exactly what I told my neighbor. I was like, if you have extra money to waste on like (laughs) medical or vet bills, then by all means take the risk. But if you don't want to spend the money on vet bills or medical bills, if you get hurt, then just, keep him on a leash, walk him in the neighborhood. There's plenty of opportunities for socialization outside of the dog park.
1: Oh my gosh. And you know, so another good thing that dog parks are for now, you have to measure your dogs. Like if your dog is anxious or whatever, it's not great. But Captain, when we first started fostering him, he'd freak out when he saw other dogs. So I use the dog park as a training thing and I wouldn't take him in. I would just walk him on the perimeter and try to get him to relax and, you know, treated him when he would respond well to dogs. So you can use the dog park for things like that.
0: So I went on your website and I wanted to make sure that I fully understood the services that you offer. And you do call yourself a pet care and pet education company. So how do you educate your clients? Like I said, I'm a big proponent of,
1: for lack of a better term, a more positive type of training. And I know positive and negative have really different definitions when when you're actually training, but I'm more into, um, Really just educating people and getting to know their dogs. So we do a lot of free stuff. I post a tip of the day often. I send out to a uh, four pets and their people. It's an easy. So we send that out monthly and we try to include some tips. If I see something going on with some clients' dogs, like there are a lot of dogs that gained a few LBs during okay, like, <laughs> Who like <adds> it? <laughs> it. so I sent out some educational forms on that, and we're really trying to push education during our walks. So I tell a lot of my walkers, you know, if they see anything, because my walkers are wonderful and we're all on the same level as far as how we go about handling dogs and how we feel about dog behavior. So I'll tell my walkers and stuff, you know, if you see anything, let our clients know. And we're also pushing enrichment visits now. So we're doing an add on. So we'll walk your dog exercise then. But if your dog is a puppy, you know, if you have a puppy or you have a dog that needs some more energy out, we do enrichment visits, so we educate them on the importance of mental stimulation as well as physical stimulation. We have a whole virtual visit option, so we do enrichment. We do basic manners. I'm not a trainer. I'm not. I never got. I went didn't go to schooling for that or get certification, so I won't call myself a trainer. But I'll help people. I'll mentor people on the basic, you know, loose leash walking. Any sort of issues they have, nothing behavioral. If there's something major behavioral or Aggression type of issue, I'll send them to trainers that I know in our area. So that's really the education that we're offering. Once COVID is done, I do want to start doing one on one little, um, well, not one on one, group, group little things. We want to do flirt poll, make your own flirt poll, and proper usage of it. So, what's a
0: flirt things. poll for those who don't know?
1: So a flirt pole is essentially a giant cat toy for dogs. And it's a long pole with a rope and a toy on the end of it. And you use it to get your dog to run, but to use it properly and to not get their prey drive going crazy, it's really good to pair with a solid drop it or out or whatever cue you want to use for them to let go of it. But once your dog learns how to use it and you learn how to use it correctly, it's amazing for exercise
0: because you can just stand there and get swing it back and forth and get your dog worn out in 10 minutes. That is so awesome. What other kind of enrichment stuff do you do? Do you do food oh, like food enrichment type like a lot of food, search? A lot of stuff? Search for it.
1: Dogs like to chew. They like to chew. So we shouldn't stop that. I feel like pushing down a behavior is gonna make another behavior come out, an unwanted behavior or unwanted reaction to suppressing that behavior. So dogs like to rip stuff apart. So I will tell clients, like throw a box down and let your dog just chew it. But make sure your boxes are always up, so they can't get it. So chewing up boxes, hiding treats in boxes, sniffing games, puzzle games, snuffle mats, toys, treat dispensing toys—a big thing. I'm like, feed your dog out of a treat dispensing toy. Mm -hmm. If you don't have time, feed. So easy. Throw it in there. It's 15 minutes. The sniffer working, which wears them out just as much as a walk would.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, I love that you're like trying to work within the pet parents, I guess environment and lifestyle because I feel like people don't call dog trainers because they feel like the dog trainer is going to be like, well, you need to do something completely different. That's completely unsustainable for them. So they're like, you know what? I don't even want to go down that route. Right. And I think the thing that got me to to learn
1: that that's how I wanna work is doing this for so long and going into different atmospheres and learning that they're really good pet owners, but they have different lifestyles. So they may not be able to walk their dog every day. They may not be able to take their dog to a training class or a sniffing class. So let's offer them ways that they can do that easily that works within their
0: lifestyle. For sure, I love that. So I have to take a break. But as soon as we come back, I want to get into a secondary project that you've taken on thanks to COVID. We will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arrada. And today I'm speaking to Ashley Cook, the owner of Viva La Pet in New Jersey. She runs a pet care business, educates her clients, loves canine enrichment, but also she paints pet portraits because she has a history in the art industry, the interior design industry. So before I ask you about the pet portraits, why did you leave interior design? Because you're so good at it. So
1: I think I was in the wrong group with interior design so I worked in interior design only for one year and I did that year just to get a year on my resume because I would have left long before that especially I think the area that I'm in I'm more modern and progressive with my style and what I like and they were much more traditional so that was a turnoff but the major thing was that they were not friendly i would get yelled at on the regular by these people who were really not talented designers and i was just like this is not for me and there was so much more office work than i expected the blueprints and stuff were fun but i kind of like the hands-on stuff i like getting dirty and That's why I'm not really, I never got into computer art or any of that stuff because I'm kind of a purist and kind of an analog type of snob.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we're looking at your office right now with that awesome Z, which you're going to tell me in a second so that our viewers and listeners can get an idea of why that Z is there, but you called yourself a garage picker so i added that to your introduction and i've seen because i we're friends on facebook i've seen these creations your yard your house all of these things that you and your husband just build are just amazing so you just find stuff and give it a new life in your home that's amazing yes
1: i have to give my mom applause for that because she was a garbage picker when i was growing up so she taught me the ways But um, even now, if we're driving by garbage, we'll snap a picture and it's just something that she'll like, I'll text it to her and be like, hey, this is on this road. Can you go pick it up? Um, (laughs) You can get so much nice furniture in the garbage. And sometimes it needs a little elbow grease. Sometimes it needs a little refinishing. But I like um, mid-century modern design and and mid-century modern type furniture mixed with more modern. A lot of times you'll see that. It's the rage right now. So it's, it's yes to get all the rage but a lot of times you'll find it in the garbage and you can just grab onto it there's things that i haven't stored in my attic that i know i can't use but i couldn't bear to see it go into the dump so i rescue it keep it there and then hopefully maybe someone someday i can use it or someone will need it so yeah that is so cool yeah when i see chalk paint on gorgeous furniture it's like like I said, I'm a purist, so it kind of like it's a dagger to the heart.
0: Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that Z that you have behind you, I know it has a story that you love metal Zs, but was that something you picked up randomly?
1: I saw this on in an antique store. It's metal, and it's hollow, so it's really light, and it was from a sign signage at um Giant Stadium. It was from old signage at Giant Stadium, and she had a bunch of letters. I don't know how she picked them up. But it's actually an N. I just turn it on its side and I painted it orange. So I have a, um, my heart dog, the first dog I ever adopted in 1999 was a pit bull. And he was red, but he was in my eyes, he was orange. So that's why my business is orange. I collect Z's and I paint, you know, orange is the, that's my Zavian. His name was Zavian. So that's, that's my, you know, I just like to be surrounded by Z's. So any sort of Z in an antique store, I'll, I'll pick
0: up. That's so cool. So you are now painting pet portraits. Do you have a pet portrait of, what is his name? Zabian? Zabian. So
1: Z-A-B as in Victor, I-E-N. I don't, so there's this weird thing with, I don't like to hang my own art up in my house. I don't know why. I just, I respect other artists and I want to collect work from other people. So I'd like to be surrounded by other people's art. I think it's, it motivates you to see other people's art and it kind of gets you, you want to be surrounded by other ways of thinking. So I don't hang my own art up. It's all like stuffed under the bed. So I've never, going back to doing portraits, I've never done a portrait of my own dog, And I have so many great photos to work from because a lot of clients give me just the worst photos that I kind of have to manipulate in my head. When you have a really good photo, it's motivating to paint that portrait. I've never been in the right mindset to really do a portrait of my own dog. I've had other artists do portraits of my dogs.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, but I've never done it. You and I were talking before we started recording that like, you believe that anybody can be an artist. And I don't think so. I don't think anybody can drip paint on a canvas and be a Jackson Pollock. Funny you say that. So my big thing is, another big thing
1: is that you'll walk by some stuff and someone will say, why would I buy that? I can do it. And my answer to them is, but you didn't. So that's the thing with modern art. I guess you can interpret it different. So modern art, there's a lot, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a line across a canvas. I can do that. Or like a Jackson Pollock, he just splattered some paint on a canvas. But there's a whole, there's deaths to the layers and there's there's so many good talks on NPR about fake modern art that has been sold. Like, it's amazing what people will go through to get this sold. And like, there's this whole thing in art that if you question a piece of art's authenticity, you can get sued for slander. So people won't question, people in the art field, now this is way beyond me, but people that are in into you know art galleries and this and that and really high-end fine art, if you question the authenticity of something, you can get sued for that. So it opens the doors for a lot of these fake paintings to get out. And it doesn't happen often, but there's one gallery in the city that has been huge. I think it's been, it was a gallery since like the 20s. And they were behind this giant fake art dispersion and show and gallery and sales and like... For like money, a whole not. ring of like fraud, yeah. basically. Like an underground... Yeah, it, it was the craziest story that I've heard about art. And it's, it's like, well, what do you think? There's all these loopholes because you can't question art. And, you know, there's all this... There's just levels involved in it that... That's why I quit art school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you feel reluctant now that you are selling pet portraits to put yourself out there? So pet portraits aren't my go-to when it comes to art.
1: Artists will struggle and struggle and struggle to find their niche. And I've been struggling a lot with, I'm very good at realistic art and realism. And I can I can mimic a still life and I can mimic a photo and I can do it in multiple mediums. And there's not a talent, but there's a skill that's needed to do that. But that got so boring to me, just mimicking and even mimicking it in an abstract way got boring to me. So I really wanted to work on abstract art and I sucked at it. I sucked at abstract art and I just couldn't do it. I would try and try and try and it just felt fake and it didn't look good. And there was just so I've always done these doodles. I've always doodled. I'm always doodling. I have a doodle here. One of my friends was like, why don't you make that into a series? And I was like, Oh, that's that's a really good idea and that sort of opened the door to abstract art that was authentic to me so then that kind of i opened the door to abstract art so i've been doing a lot of mixed media with abstract work but again i don't push to sell it i just make it i'll throw it on facebook or on instagram or something i haven't i showed it one time but i'll just make it because it's very enjoyable and it's just it's very get stuff out of me but um going back to the portraits I got into those because it's kind of like a cushion. I know I'm good at it and I know I can do it. And I know that it'll make money. There's a market for it. Right. So when COVID hit, my business was shut down like everyone else's. And a lot of people who were out working were suddenly home and they're like, we don't need your dog walking services. And my business is 90 something percent dog walking. So it stopped for a really long time until I kind of switched my marketing around. So I just started doing dog portraits. I was like, I need to make money. So I just started doing dog portraits and so many people were like, oh my God, I want this of my dog and I want this and I want that. So that kind of just took off. So I have people in line to do dog portraits and I mixed a little bit of abstract art and mixed media into it. I do want to get looser with my dog portraits. I have two examples here. Like in the oh, works. cool! So this one is in the works, but the background is an acrylic monoprint and that's kind of where the mixed media and the abstract comes into play. And then this one's still in progress too. I have to work on the ears. I love it. I want to loosen up with my dog portraits and get a little bit more abstract, but I have to finish the ones from people that want this style.
0: Okay, so I want to know two things. Sure. How much creative license do you take when somebody, like, commissions a pet portrait from you? And two, how long does it take you to do each pet portrait?
1: Okay, so it depends on the medium. This is just done with a micron. So the background is an acrylic mono print, and a monoprint is just one print. You can't multiply it because it's just after you do it once it's done, hence the word mono. So... The backgrounds just take, I mean, it's just splashing paint on and create. It's fun. It's just like no thought, just going, going, going. And you just create a bunch of those. So I do a bunch of monoprints in different colors and a mix of colors. And then people ask for paintings and sometimes they'll want a specific background color. Other times I'll look at the photo that they send me and pair it up with a good tone for the background. But I get the worst photos. So (laughs) a lot of times you want something clear and precise when you're mimicking it, especially for a portrait. But I'll get just like a quick snapshot that's been like screenshotted five times and then sent to me. So I do take quite a bit of artistic license when it comes to it. I'll do the general, you know, shapes so they can identify their dog. They want to be able to know it's their dog. But um, I kind of have to make up shadows and I have to make up a composition that fits well. I do ask for close-ups of the face because if I was to do the whole body, it would take me a really long time. Yeah. And even in my, any sort of art that I do, it's kind of like, I relate it to what's the lens on the camera that does a macro lens, a real okay. close- something. So it turns something like, let's take this glass. If you were to take a photo of it with a macro lens, it will go in really close. So it's almost an unidentifiable item. It abstracts a realistic item. So that's kind of what I like to do when people ask me for realism. I'm like, okay, can I go in and just do like the side of your dog's face? But a lot of people just really want the head on. So this dog, for instance, there's a real lot of light. So
0: sweet. I Like there's so much expression in that. Oh, just like the look. It. Yeah,
1: he's he just turned 16. i'm really excited to get this to his owner but there's a lot of light like there's nothing here there's nothing in the top so i'm gonna have to go in and create some depth because it just doesn't look good on the
0: paper No, what are you talking about i think it looks perfect i feel like it's done (laughs) i feel like you don't need to do anything else to it like if i received that i would be so happy
1: that's the thing too i want to get quicker so they take me about a few hours like one to three hours but once i if I do a few in a row, I'm loose and I, I can really shoot through them. But I took a long break. It's
0: hard. And- That's, I was just going to ask you, how do you get motivated? Because I love the creative process of this show and editing and stuff. But at some point I have to walk away. But if you have like a list of people waiting for portraits, how do you get yourself motivated without kind of like losing the love of it? So
1: what gets me to finish then is having a deadline. If people tell me, you can get it to me whenever, I won't do it. I just <laughs> don't have that- discipline I don't have that discipline I wish that I did and you think being a business owner for 17 years that I would no I'm not disciplined when it comes to certain things right so I ask for a specific date for it to be done by and then I'll get to it like Christmas I really needed to to get them out and we weren't making a lot of money with Viva La Pet as much 2019 was our best year ever and then 2020 hit and it was just like a halt Yeah, I needed to make money, so I needed to get them done. So it's kind of like, sometimes it's kind of like going to the gym where you have to peel yourself out of bed, get to the gym, and you feel good after. Yes. Once you get into drawing, you're like, oh, okay, I'm there. Sometimes there's a resistance. And some days I can work on a drawing for 10 minutes, and then I have to stop because I'm like, I'm just going to ruin this. I'm just not there. Right. And then some days you'll get into the mode, and you can bust out three portraits in a day. So it just depends.
0: So tell me how our viewers and listeners on Pet Life Radio can get in touch with you if they're in your area for pet care services or if they want their own amazing mono. What is it? Mono what?
1: It's an ink sketch on a monoprint, on an acrylic monoprint.
0: But I also do watercolor
1: paintings, which are they take way more time and it's a little bit more expensive. But if you want a quick turnaround, I do the example that I showed you. It's a monoprint with- I love them the sketch over it.
0: Okay, so if one of our listeners or viewers wants to hire you, commission you for a pet portrait, or if they're in your area and want uh, pet care services, how would they reach you?
1: You can reach me on social media, Viva La Pet on Facebook, at Viva La Pet on Instagram. You can go to our website, it's www.vivalapet.net, or email me at ashley at vivalapet.net. We can do international with the art too, it would be awesome. And I get really motivated with wonderful expressions on dogs. So if you have a really amazing photo of a great expression that your dog has given you, I would love
0: to draw that for you. So my sister lives in Spain, she's an artist, she is an art historian, she's a teacher, but that's her true passion lies in art. And uh, she'll travel all over the world for an art exhibit. But she is gonna love this show because she's gonna be like, I want a portrait of Satchmo. So I'll get you guys in touch. I would love her to do a portrait of one of my dogs. Oh, my gosh. You know what? My sister struggles with the same issue that you do, that discipline. She's so good, but she's like she can't get herself motivated to paint. And she's so busy with work. So like she'd have to like kind of like stop grading papers and stop doing this to paint. But when COVID started, there were a lot of artists like Romero Brito. I'm sure you're familiar with Romero Brito from Miami the uh, Brazilian well he's Brazilian but he's really big in Miami these three dogs are Romero Rito and he did like an online when when COVID everybody was doing stuff on zoom and online and on lives he was doing painting classes and he she loves his art because we're all from Miami and uh, she was doing a lot of his stuff when COVID started because school was shut down in Spain but now they're like in person and now they're doing all these things so she doesn't have the time but she's so talented
1: that's the thing it's I've talked to a lot of artists who you go to school for and you're into it and then life happens and you get a job that's not art. You're not lucky enough to get a job that's in the art field and then you kind of fall out of it. There's one woman that I know who's probably in her 70s and she's constantly nagging me. She's like, get back, don't lose it because she did for so long and looking back, she wishes she didn't. So I kind of really remind myself of that every time I don't feel like sitting down and drawing or... But this summer, I kind of want to take on bigger projects and do some murals and stuff. There's places around town. I see some empty places. So if I can get in touch with some of the business owners and just put up an abstract mural just to brighten up the, the um, little area that it's in, I'd love to do that.
0: That is so cool. I can't wait to hear more about that. You definitely have to keep us posted on those uh, projects because that would be super cool to put your, your uh, like touch in your area and in your city. That would be so cool. It would be, and it would just be flattering to have my, I mean, it would just be an amazing opportunity yeah for sure absolutely well i want to propose a toast to you for being on the show thank you so much for spending your sunday with me <laughs>
1: it was a lot of fun thank absolutely. you
0: absolutely my pleasure cheers i'd also like to propose a toast to our executive producer mark winter and to our viewers and our listeners thanks so much for spending your time with us and sharing your love of pet with us here's to a life covered in pet hair because there is no better way to live cheers if you want to learn more about covered in pet hair please visit covered in or PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.